0: ...to advance the gospel, and that's what we're going to be looking at today in the book of Philippians. We are going to start a new series in the book of Philippians, and I am so excited about this series uh, because there are so many verses in the book of Philippians that are coffee mug verses, life verses... Um, that many of you are familiar with, many of you can have memorized and have quoted and you 've gone to when you 're anxious, be anxious for nothing, but all things by prayer and supplication when you 're struggling with joy, rejoice in the Lord always right uh, or or maybe provision. Uh, my God shall supply all your and so on actually we'll we 'll start off just looking at a couple of those. Um, life verses in Philippians here. Philippians one six, Paul said, "I am sure of this that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ." Philippians one twenty one, for me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Philippians two twelve and thirteen, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for His good pleasure. Philippians 4 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again I say, rejoice. Uh Philippians 3 8. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. For his sake I've suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Philippians three thirteen and fourteen. Brothers. I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4.13, this is a quarterback verse, this is a a sports verse, I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me, and it's it's often used out of context, but I must admit I was using it last Monday as Micah Pelfrey and I were making our laps around White Rock. We were nine miles in. We're preparing for a half marathon on October 20th. And this was one of the verses that came to my mind. I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. We started out very excited, pumped up, talking, fellowship, and encouraging one another. But halfway through six, seven miles in of that jog, we weren't saying much at all. We were just trying to get some, get some oxygen. <laughs> one guy passed by. We were close to the end. One guy passed by us, and he said... He saw us, he said, oh, heat stroke, or, no, no, he said, uh, what, what was it, heat exhaustion. <laughs> you know, we're just struggling to make, come on, man, we're going to finish. I had my eyes fixed on getting back to my water bottle because I didn't have any water with me. So anyways, I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. Philippians 4, 6, here's a big one, here's a, here's a prescription for anxiety, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I think we all know that one, right? If you don't, you need to know that one. Philippians 4.11, For I've learned in whatever situation, I am to be content. And, And lastly, Philippians 4.19, And my God shall supply every need, of yours, according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So, I just wanted to kind of give a, a fly over over some of these key verses that many of us know and love and cherish, and that have been so helpful uh, to us in our Christian walk. The Book of Philippians has several themes, key themes, and words in in this book. Uh, one of them is gospel. The word gospel is mentioned about nine times. And if you know Paul, he is going to just emphasize and center on the gospel. And that's what we're about here at City Church Garland. We want, we aim to be a gospel centered people. And this book is very gospel centered. And so Paul mentions that. Another theme in the book of Philippians is the theme of joy. Joy, which the gospel brings. Good news of Great joy, that's the effect of the gospel on the human heart, joy. Joy or rejoicing. And so we see all throughout the book of Philippians, we see this aspect of joy. And by the way, when Paul was writing this, he was in prison. So you would, there, there were other themes that Paul could have taken up in this letter when he was writing from a prison in, in Rome. And so another theme here in, in the book of Philippians is spiritual progress. Another one is uh, fellowship. The word, the Greek word koinonia, which is sometimes uh, translated partnership or uh, part participation, and we're gonna we'll look at that here in a moment. Unity, prayer, and suffering. These are some other key themes in the book. Paul planted this church in Philippi, and this was the very first church on what is now European soil. What's cool about this is we have some backdrop of this story. Uh, If you guys have read the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 16, Luke, the author of Acts, tells us how this church actually got started. And so we actually get some insight into who these people are that Paul is writing to about 10 years later. Okay? Okay. Um, so Philippi was like um, by design it was like a miniature Rome. Um, it was the site of a key military victory by Augustus Caesar um, and it was the very first uh, church established uh, planted and established on what is now European soil. So with that said let's go ahead and turn to Philippians chapter 1 if you Father, thank You so much for Your Word. Thank You for this opportunity to open it up. And as we do, I pray that You would stir our hearts' affections for You and to love one another. May our love abound more and more in all wisdom and discernment and knowledge. And God, may we be moved onto Your agenda as a result of this time here this morning before Your Word. May we be moved on to doing Your will, that we would prioritize Your kingdom, that we would um, partner up uh, in the gospel to advance the gospel in this region. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Philippians 1. 1. Paul Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. So this is where we're going from the text, uh, and, and from this epistle here, is that God works to advance the gospel in the world through partnerships in the gospel. God works to advance the gospel in the world through partnerships in the gospel. Uh, The first thing I just want to point out is that Paul was the one who planted this church. Um, He was uh, doing missionary work. He was traveling with his homeboy, Silas. We have a Silas here. Uh, He was traveling with Silas. They were preaching the gospel. And in the book of Acts, as well, it started with Paul gets this vision and I'm just going to kind of summarize the story in Acts 16 for the sake of time. Paul gets this vision from this—he um, gets this vision of this Macedonian guy, and, and and he says, "Hey, come on over here and help us out." So Paul's on his way to do some ministry. He gets this vision. Paul and Silas conclude, "Well, God must be leading us to go over to Macedonia," and obviously that was God based on the results that we saw. And so, so Paul and, and Silas, they travel there. They're preaching the gospel. Well, they see this woman named Lydia. So here's a chart up here. Tim Keller put this together. I think it's a helpful chart uh, to kind of summarize and break down the makeup of, of the church that, that got planted there. So there's this woman, Lydia, who was a worshiper of God. She was a God-fearer. Okay? She didn't know the gospel yet, but, but the scripture says that the Lord opened her heart... to to listen to the things that Paul had to say. The Lord opened her heart. By the way, here's a great principle when it comes to outreach and evangelism is find out where God's working and just join in with what he's doing. Don't try to kick in the door when people ain't trying to let you in. You can knock if if they'll open and talk to you, talk to them, but don't stick your foot in the door and be like, come on, man, let me let me tell you, let me tell you. Go where God is working. Partner in. Join in with what He's doing in people's lives. That the Holy Spirit's doing. Follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. And that's what Paul was doing. There, there was this woman, Lydia, there was this prayer meeting, uh, and she was a wealthy Asian woman. She was a seller of, uh, purple. She had her own home. Paul, she, she invited Paul and Silas like, hey, come on, you guys come hang out at my place. So she comes to the Lord. And then there's this slave girl. So as as Paul and Silas were doing ministry uh, there in Philippi, there's this slave girl who was demon possessed, and she she had owners uh, that she was making profit for, and she sees Paul and Silas day after day. She would say, under the, the the influence of this demonic oppression that she had, she would say, "These men are servants of the Most High God." Okay. Paul, it says Paul got annoyed at this. He. It was annoying for whatever reason. Paul gets annoyed at this. It was annoying that this this demon-possessed girl was saying this day after day. So Paul, after having enough of it, he cast this demon out of this little girl and says, you know, come out, right? Delivers her and then she's she's of no profit to her to her master. She gets delivered. Uh, and so they didn't like that. Uh Paul by the way, when Paul went places and ministered the gospel like in Ephesus, he he affected the economy in a sense. He affected people's pocketbooks, people who were making profit doing evil things like making idols silversmith who were making idols and uh, these guys who were um, using this young lady and so uh, so they had Paul and Silas thrown in the prison and then thrown they were whipped and then thrown in the prison and Paul and Silas were in the jail in Philippi and they were instead of complaining they were practicing what they preached They were worshiping God. They were thanking God and singing hymns at midnight. And guess what happened? Those of you who know the story, what happened? God caused an earthquake. There was this earthquake at that moment. So they're there, beaten, ripped up, in chains. All the other prisoners, I'm sure, could hear this. The Philippian jailer, I'm sure, can hear this. These guys are like worshiping God through the most difficult of circumstances. By the way... If you're in difficult circumstances, this would be a good thing for you to do as well, regardless of what you're going through. Whether times are good and and smooth for you or whether times are tough, worship God and watch God show up on your behalf. He did with Paul and Silas. He caused an earthquake. Uh, The the Philippian jailer got up and he he thought all the, the prisoners were um took off and for him that would mean he would be killed he he didn't do his job off with his head right he he would be killed for for not doing his job so he decided he was going to just do it anyways he was going to kill himself and paul says no don't we're all here okay and and so paul didn't take advantage and, and run out the door uh when he could have uh, but he, he told this guy don't kill yourself and this guy asked him this question he says what must I do to be saved? Has anybody ever asked you that question? Man, that's that's like a softball pitch uh, for, for an evangelist or anybody who wants to lead somebody to the Lord. What must I do to be saved? And Paul didn't give them a whole list of things to do. He just simply said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll be saved. And, and your household will be saved too. If, if you guys believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And so you know what? The Philippian jailer and his household got baptized. And so we got this church that got established uh, there in Philippi. And so we have three people here. We got, and, 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 and in it we see some diversity, which which is beautiful because the gospel creates a people together who are diverse, who have different backgrounds, but who are united for a greater purpose. So you got Lydia, this wealthy Asian, uh, God-fear woman. And it was through Paul's words. That was the ministry approach. God opened her heart. He shared the words. Then you got this this slave girl, uh, native Greek, who's uh Poor, and she was in spiritual turmoil, and then Paul shows up with the power of God. God's power is displayed through him, through practical actions, deeds, and then so that's the ministry approach that Keller points out. And then the 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 jailer, who was a Roman blue collar guy, uh, who was practical and indifferent. And then he sees this example of Paul and Silas. They're worshiping through their affliction, through their difficult times. God does a miracle. There's an earthquake and uh, and he gets saved. And so in Philippians 1.6, when when Paul wrote, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to, bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Paul had witnessed God be- begin this good work. In the Philippian church, and now you might argue that that happened way back in eternity past. If we're going to start Ephesians uh, this Wednesday night, and from eternity, God decided to choose choose them. But Paul witnessed this initial salvation that occurred in the life of the uh, the, uh, Fli- the Philippians. Paul says, "I'm confident that he who began this good work will complete it uh, at the day of Jesus Christ." So Paul planted this church. And it was a diverse church, and God showed up supernaturally to cause this church to be in existence. The second thing, Paul partnered with this church, Philippi. So for about 10 years, um, Paul was writing them about 10 years later. Paul found himself in jail again, this time in in Rome. So he's in in jail, and he's writing from Rome this letter. And they had supported Paul throughout uh, those 10 years. This gospel partnership involved financial support. In Philippians 4.15, Paul mentions this. He says, And you, Philippians, yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. So Paul's using this word, quonania, right? Which can be participation or fellowship or partnership. And he, and he says, you know, referring to the, back in five, this partnership in the gospel, what it looked like was they were supporting Paul so that he can continue to spread the gospel message, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so that's one of the ways that we can partner together uh, in the gospel is, is financial partnership. Another way is uh, mutual encouragement and service. Paul, in Philippians 2, he says, So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort of love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord with one of one mind. Let each of you not only look to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Paul was writing this letter with the aim to encourage the Philippian church, to to encourage them to be faithful in their gospel witness, to encourage them to get along with each other. Brothers and sisters, get along, love one another, serve one another, think like Jesus did, have this mindset that Jesus had, which was a mindset of a servant. And so Paul was encouraging them. He was exhorting them. There was this mutual encouragement in this service. They were serving him by financially supporting him as he was going out, starting churches and preaching the gospel. And he was supporting them by encouraging them, speaking the word of God to them. He had led many of them to the Lord. And this church was, was doing well. This, this letter is in contrast to the book of Galatians that we just finished up in, in the Corinthians. Because in Galatians and Corinthians, Paul had a lot of rebukes and corrections that he had to unleash on them. He had to share with them to care for them. Because there were some issues. Right here in the book of Philippians, they seem to be the the church in Philippi seems to be a pretty healthy church for the most part. Paul doesn't have to spend lots of ink correcting their conduct, but he does encourage them in it. In chapter four, he does tell two ladies to like get along and agree. Right. So that's one of the ways is is gospel partnerships involve mutual encouragement and service, financial support. Gospel partnerships involve working together to be witnesses right where we're at right where we're at. So Philippians 1.27, Paul exhorts the Philippians. He says, Only let your life be worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ so that whether I come and see you or or am absent, I may hear that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Okay? So Paul didn't just want to be out in other places sharing the gospel and starting new works, Paul wanted the Philippians to remain faithful to do what God had called them to do right there, to use the influence that they had in the city of Philippi and be faithful witnesses standing together, working together as a church, loving one another in all their diversity, working together to advance the gospel message in Philippi. Okay, Because it was an influential city. And so, and lastly, uh, gospel partnerships involve prayer for one another. Amen. Uh, Paul was praying for them and they were praying for Paul. There was just mutual care and love for one another. There was financial support of Paul. Uh, the Macedonian churches were uh, generous in supporting him. And there was mutual service and encouragement and there was prayer for one another. Paul starts off the letter here saying, I thank my God and all my remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine for you, for you all making my prayer with joy. OK, and we'll look at what his prayer was for them. In verse 19 of chapter one, Paul goes down and he says, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out So there was this mutual prayer for one another. They were partners together. They were working together for the faith of the gospel, even though they weren't living in the same place. And at the end, I'll mention some of the partners we have, but one of the ones that come to my mind right now are are the Bradleys, uh, missionaries that we have uh, been a part of sending out and are supporting financially and prayerfully, and they've been working in Ethiopia. But that's one of the partnerships that we have, here at City Church Garland. Um, so Paul prayed for the churches, for the for the church of Philippi. So Paul planted the church at Philippi. He partnered with them. They were working together. And that looked like he also prayed for them. That's, that was a part of the partnership. And his prayer was made with thanksgiving. His prayer, look at verse 4, his prayer was made with joy. See, he thanked God for them. He was, he was doing what he told them to do. In all things, you know, let your prayer request be made known to God with thanksgiving. He gave thanks to God for them, for their partnership and and the work that God was doing in in their lives. Right. And he did it with joy. It wasn't a mere obligation or a duty for Paul to pray for others. It was a delight for him to pray. And, and, And before I move on, I just want to ask you, how is your prayer life right now? Is it dry Wrote? Is it just duty and obligation? Is it, is it very, is it non-existent? You know, it, are you talking to God right now? And are you doing so with joy? With, with thoughtful, meaningful prayer requests that you're, you're praying for others? Do you come to God with just a laundry list of things that you want Him to provide for you and to do? Or are you like actually thinking about other people in your prayer life? And, and And bring in that request with joy, are you enjoying just being in God's presence and just talking to him and focusing in on who he is and what he's done and and, and your relationship with him? if you don't have joy in your prayer life and your personal relationship with jesus Christ then then I encourage you to consider why what is it that's that's what for what reason do you not have joy in that through throughout this letter, Paul's going to exhort this church to be a joyful church. He modeled it, he exhorted it, he challenged them to fight for it. Rejoice in the Lord always. The joy is a fruit of the spirit, but then it's also something too, that we have to choose when we're not in joyful circumstances. When we're not in uh, pleasant circumstances, we do have to fight for it and choose it. And so he prayed with joy. He prayed with Thanksgiving. He prayed with confidence. He prayed with confidence. He was confident that God had begun a good work in them and that God was going to finish that good work that He started in them. God is a faithful God. He doesn't have a habit of starting things and not finishing them like many of us. Starting books and not finishing them. Starting projects and not finishing them. I know I'm stepping on toes including my own. God's faithful. He's consistent. He does what He says He's going to do. And when He saves you or me, He saves us for eternity to be His. And He will finish what He has started in our lives. So Paul or God, Paul says that, that God has started that work. He will complete it in Philippians 2 verse 13. God is currently working in you. Working in us to will and to do His good pleasure. God is working. In your life, it may be through circumstances, it may be through relationships it may it may be through your time with the with the Lord, in the Word uh, it may be at church here today, hearing the Word of God, being in the presence of God with the people of God. God is working in you to will and to do his good pleasure and Paul had confidence of this this work that God had started. God had opened lydia 's heart. And he had saved, you know, those who were were, were Christians there at Philippi. And he was going to finish what he started. And Paul had, he made his prayer, he had this affection for them. I love how he talks about them in, in the, this first section here. Um, in verse 7, he said, It is right for me to feel this way about you. I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace. Uh, and then down in verse eight, for God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. And so in this text here, we see Paul's passion in his heart, his compassion, his care, his love for the church. And as a pastor here at City Church, I can identify with this. I feel some of these same feelings for you guys. I love to rejoice with you when God answers a prayer. When God shows up, I grieve with you when you're going through difficult times and I pray for you. I'm standing with you. We're doing life together. We're in this together here at City Church for the gospel's sake. And it is my joy to do this. And it's not easy, but it's worth it. Jesus is worth it. You guys are worth it. This community's worth it. We want to see God's kingdom spread throughout this region. And we are going to stand with one another. We're going to strive side by side, not strive with one another. We're going to strive side by side together for the sake of the gospel and advance that message. Let's look at what Paul's prayer was for the Philippians. Paul said in verse 9, he said, It is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with all knowledge and all discernment. And this is coming straight from the heart of God. As a father, I know what it feels like to desire my children to get along and treat each other with love and kindness. I know the displeasure of when my children don't get along and they don't treat one another with love. I, there is displeasure that dad feels when sister or brother socks sister or brother or pulls hair or takes a toy or whines or uh, tattertells uh, or or whatever there's displeasure when there's not unity and harmony in the home but when there is love and when they're playing well and they're they're sharing with one another they're getting along and things are peaceful it is my as a father it is a delight to my heart and God feels that way all the more for us. He delights in His children. He delights in the unity and the love that His children possess. Um, and Paul, as an apostle, as a, with a pastoral heart, he wanted that for the church of Philippi. He wanted their love to, to increase... He wanted their capacity to, to, to hold and give love for one another to increase. And, and In Ephesians chapter 3, Paul's prayer for the Ephesians was that they would be able to know the depth of God's love. The depth and the height and the width of God's love. That they would, by the Spirit, be able to comprehend it and be able to grasp it and, and really get it deep within them. And here, it's, it's, Paul's like, I want y'all's love to abound more and more That's a part of our vision here, to love one another, to love people. And Jesus said in John 13, By this all men will know that you are my disciples. Our gospel witness, our effective gospel witness, hinges upon how we love one another. Amen? Our gospel witness, the effectiveness of it is hinges on how we love one another. By this, all men will know that that you are my disciples if you love one another. People can see the, the, the good news being adorned and made beautiful to their eyes by our love for one another, by doing good to one another, especially the household of God, and doing good to all. And notice in the second part of verse nine, he says, I pray that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and discernment. It wasn't just this shallow, mushy, gushy love that Paul wanted the Philippians to have this just mere sentimental love. Oh, that's it it was deeper. It was love with knowledge and discernment. This is this is important for us because sometimes we try to love people in ways where, where we may not be actually helping them out the most. Like giving a, a drug addict 50 bucks if they're about to go spend it on drugs, right? And so that's not always the best way to love and serve that person. If they say they need food, then we'll just get them food, right? If they have a bill to be paid, like you can help with that. There's other ways to meet that need. So it's with with knowledge and with discernment. So that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Jesus Christ. And so Paul wanted this love to abound more and more in all wisdom and all knowledge so that they would approve what's best, what's excellent. It says to be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory of God and to the praise of God. Paul wanted them to have love. That abounded. He wanted them to have love with knowledge and discernment. He wanted them to be able to discern uh, and approve what is excellent. He wanted them to be pure and blameless for the day of Jesus Christ. And he wanted their lives to be filled with the fruit of righteousness. Does this prayer describe your life? And if it doesn't, pray it over yourself. Let's pray this prayer over our church. Let's let's believe God that He would work in us in this particular way to will and to do His good pleasure. That He would enable us to love more, to increase our capacity to love more and have knowledge and discernment in how we express that love and to be able to approve and know what's best and what's excellent and be pure and blameless in the day of Jesus Christ, filled with all fruits of righteousness. So in an application here, I just want to ask you, uh, who are you partnering with for the advancement of the gospel? Who are you partnering with to advance God's agenda, advance God's message here on earth? If you're a member here, you are in some sense partnering with us here, with one another here. Uh, those of you who give financially here, you're partnering with the gospel work here. You're we're partnering together. Those of you who participate in outreach here when show up for outreaches, you're you're partnering in the gospel with the, the work that God's doing here. Those of you who pray for this church for for one another and love one another, you're partnering with us in the gospel work here. And there are other churches and other individuals that are partnering with us as well. So City Church International Dallas has been partnering with us. They sent us out. We were originally an extension of City Church International. We were a campus. And then in January, we became an autonomous Church plant, and they have supported us financially, prayerfully, counsel, encouragement. They've been there to encourage us. Another church that just recently said, we want to partner with you guys financially, Shoreline Church, which is just a couple miles from here. They they said, we want to, we want to help support you guys financially. As we're moving forward, um, another church, White Rock Fellowship, a friend of mine there, Jeff Fritchie, they they donated some chairs to us that we're going to get this week um, for this new space that we're, we're praying about. Uh, then there's several other individuals who have financially and prayerfully said, we want to stand with you. We believe in you and the work that God's doing through you here at City Church Garland. Uh, Grace Bible Church. They're they're going to come from Ovilla. They're going to come and bring about thirty people, and they're going to help us serve this community. They're going to we're going to partner together in the gospel. Uh, Fishers of Men, the 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 worship band. They've done some outreaches with us, and they're going to again going to help us out with that. Up Mobile Dentistry. We partnered together yesterday to do this outreach, to, to show the love of Christ, to share the love of Christ in this community. Uh, we, about a month ago, we worked together with Children's Evangelism Fellowship, and we partnered up with them, uh, to do an outreach, uh, in, in the apartments close by. And the list goes on and on. So those are some brothers and sisters and churches and organizations that we've, uh, been working with, and then, uh, the Bradleys, we're, we're supporting the Bradleys monthly, financially, and prayerfully. Uh, there's another church plant, um, at Transformation Church, that is going to be planting soon. Uh, Colin Seitz is leading that up in Pittsburgh, and we are financially giving to that. As a church, we we believe in tithing, and so 10% of our income is going towards church plants every month. Okay, So we're committed to giving at least 10% of that out. Transformation Church is one of those churches. Eastside Community Church in East Austin, we're supporting that church. Uh, a good friend of friend of mine, Holland Gregg, is there, just doing a great job. South Dallas Community Church that just started this year, great work there. Uh, pastor there named Billy Rose. We're financially uh, partnering with them, behind them, and what they're doing. Omni Fellowship in, in Cedar Hill. We're committed to giving monthly to them. And then uh, Dallas Life Foundation, twice a month. Pastor Mike and I lead a service there, and we go, we preach the gospel, we love on the residents there. And so we've partnered with Dallas Life Foundation to bring the gospel to the residents there. And you see, God works through partnerships in the gospel to advance the gospel in the world. And, and we we want we want to partner with more brothers and sisters who are like-minded, who are doing a gospel work, who agree upon the essentials of the gospel. I think we're going to try to love with discernment and knowledge and be wise with who it is that we partner with. We, we want to be centered on the gospel and, and work with other gospel works. Again, let me ask you, who are you partnering with to advance the gospel and how are you doing it? I just shared with you some ways that I know many of you are. And I just want to encourage you to continue in it. Let's be people who are gospel-centered, who are about advancing God's agenda here in the world. And it will be to your joy and to my joy that we do so. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for these words. Thank you that you have given us purpose. And you've called us... To be a part of something so much bigger than just our little family, our little, our lives. You've called us to be a part of something that's global, a kingdom that's everlasting. And we thank you for that privilege, that honor to be a part of that. And God, may we be faithful here. May we be fervent here in our love. Faithful in our service. May we be fruitful here. In our own personal lives. The fruits of righteousness. The fruit of the Spirit. Fruit of holiness. But also the fruit of leading other people to you. And making disciples. Making disciples of our own children. Teaching them your ways. God, and we pray this, that you might be glorified in us, that you might receive the glory in our lives and in our church, and that your fame, the, the fame of your name would spread to all nations, all over this globe, for the joy of all peoples, in Christ's name i